Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Into another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast right here on the CLNS Media Network. It is Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit. Back as always with Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub to talk a little Patriots Broncos Week 16 here. Christmas Eve out there in Denver Sunday or, or Saturday night, excuse me. But before we get into some of the game details and break down some of the matchups we're looking forward to. We'll talk about some of the big Patriots stories from yesterday because it was a, a pretty chaotic afternoon there in Patriot world for us. And uh, starting with some deflated footballs, Alex, we were talking about PSI again, some fun PTSD and throwback words getting thrown around yesterday. Your eyes start twitching at all? Oh, Mine yeah. did. They had like the nervous chill go down my spine yeah. hearing the word PSI again. And uh, it was because the kicking balls were underinflated in the Patriots Chiefs game uh, last Sunday, which uh, Mark Daniels broke the story on Mass Live. He had some of the statistics and talking about how both these teams really noticed off the jump when Harrison Bucker's opening kickoff didn't reach the end zone. And this is a guy who kicks touchbacks roughly 87 88% of the time so that raised questions right away and then both Harrison Butker and Chad Ryland missed a kick and these K balls you don't really t- you don't touch them at all until right at the start of the game so they realized something was wrong they took the footballs into the locker room and i think they were 11 psi when the K balls should be yeah. 13 13 and a half so these are handled. The K balls are handled by the officials. This is an official problem. It shouldn't be a Patriot problem. Who knows? Not, the, it's not. Not. It shouldn't. It's not. It this has be. nothing to do with the Patriots in terms of why the balls were underinflated. It has to do with them in terms of an impact of the game. But nobody needs to be asking for Bailey Zappi's cell phone. Yeah, or Patrick Mahomes. Or, if they want to ask for Mahomes, I wouldn't. Yeah, we can be blame. Totally upset. But. Blame Mahomes this time. Don't don't drag us to into it, but. Yeah, it, it, one of the quotes or it was some a source or a quote from from Mark Daniels's article was you, you know with all the history like how could this happen again here and right. I, I think you tweeted out the weather was very identical to yes. that AFC Championship game where this all started so and, and again this was something the Patriots and the Patriots specialists noticed right away from the opening kickoff they pointed it out to officials it sounded like Ryland, Barringer, the whole unit was very upset in the locker room after this, talking about something wrong with the footballs. They all said they were very frustrated with it. So kind of just something interesting there. And you wonder how often this happens, especially in these cold weather games, and how often guys are going out there and maybe not kicking a football or that's, you know, by the NFL standards, the right weight there. It's definitely a good question because, you know, to think of that, I think is, I don't know that every player would, I think just being in New England, especially maybe not the players, the coaches, but yeah, it was cold today, Brian. I don't know if you noticed when you got in your car, I noticed for mine, the air pressure was low. The air pressure was fine yesterday when it was in the fifties. Today it was in the thirties and the air pressures. I can't imagine those two things are related. It turns out though, based on science, they are. So you inflate the balls inside a room that's 70 degrees. You bring it outside or it's 50 degrees with 70% humidity, nearly identical conditions to the 2014 AFC championship. And the balls were came in at the same measurements as they did in the 2014 AFC championship. It's almost like something Weird. happens when you bring the balls outside. It's called the ideal gas law. 
And if I would say, hey, NFL, look at this. Similar conditions, similar result. Maybe it wasn't the Patriots' fault, but they actually did this study in 2015 and Jeff Pash destroyed the evidence because he didn't want the league to look bad. He didn't want Cadell to look bad because the league had to go get the Patriots. That's why. So even more evidence that that whole thing was absolute bullshit. And, and I'm sure the league will either one, look the other way at this, which fine, whatever. The other, uh, the other element of it is I'm, I'm waiting for the league to come out and say, yeah, the air pressure changed. Because now they know that. They didn't know it before. They couldn't be bothered to ask a scientist. All those high-priced lawyers in the room, you can't ask a scientist. Nobody thought of that. But maybe now they did. As Robert Kraft once said, and I say this coming from a family of lawyers, sometimes when you want the real business to get done, you got to kick all the lawyers out of the room. The NFL lawyers covered up the data. This one they couldn't cover up because they screwed it up in their own right. And I'm really interested to see, one, if the league responds to this and if they do, how. Yep. So we haven't heard anything since yesterday around this time, I you believe. Won't. You won't. Cowards. Yeah. Cowards won't. The cowards won't talk about this. Because I think it was, I think Michael Hurley posted the clip from, or the article from a few years ago. Something similar happened to this in like a Giants game, and they just swept it under the rug. And Aaron like, Rodgers came out and admitted oh, yeah. that he does this. So did he Drew Brees. Yeah. They all say, yeah, we play with thunder and flame footballs all the time. But only in that one instance where the Patriots won 45 to 17 by running the ball, For not even throwing, yards. by running the ball, <laughs> in that one instance, it was a problem. In this instance, it wasn't. In those instances, it wasn't. The league won't talk about it. Just this one, because, oh, no, nobody can be bigger than Roger Goodell, and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick maybe are about to be bigger than Roger Goodell. Yep. So we'll see. Maybe the scientists come running out here. Except Bill Nye. Do you remember what Bill Nye did back in well, the... Bill Nye, and I, I love Bill Nye. I'm a big Bill Nye fan. Bill Nye is from Seattle. He is a Seahawks fan. He didn't weigh in on it until after the Patriots beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. Yep. That was from a guy who loved walking into middle school class and seeing the Bill Nye movies on the screen, and you're going to get to sing the song in class and not do any work. Watching him come out after that and say, oh, you know, my ideal gas law or whatever, it's not true. And Tom Brady did all this. Like, I'm out on Bill Nye. I've been out on Bill Nye since that day. So I know that was probably Seahawks fan Bill Nye speaking. Oh, it definitely. I think he didn't he do that segment like in a Seahawks jersey. Uh, I don't know if he was that obvious with it, but wouldn't put it past him to do that. So doesn't count. Yeah, doesn't count. No, so. it's it's basic science it's been corroborated go look at your car tires there's less air in them now than there was when it's 50 degrees out because as they the, the same amount of air is in there but because it's colder the air contracts that's physics so there's less pressure being exerted on the outside forces of the container the football the tire so the air pressure goes down and it feels softer just like if you put a balloon in a hot room you don't need to put any more air in the balloon, but it will pop because the air expands and it puts more pressure on it. Again, science, <laughs> not that complicated. Not that I'd expect the NFL's high-paid lawyers to understand it, but that's the reality. Nothing you need to go to Supreme Supreme Court over. for, for No, absolutely not. No, I can't imagine going to the Supreme Court over that. <laughs> yeah, that would be just such an over overreaction to that. But uh, more importantly, we need some justice for Chad Ryland here because... In Mark's article, he said 
I think that there was a source that said his mechanics were great and that was what affected the football. So in my personal log, we are only down to Chad Ryland has only missed four field goals now this year because we don't count that one on, on his tally. So Chad Ryland is back. Um, we don't count that. We can even give Harrison Bucker his, his miss back. So I was going to say, has Chad Ryland earned bent for the doubt? Bucker has. Chad Ryland, I don't know. I don't know. They both missed in that same direction. They were opposite sides of the field, but you know, Buckers yeah. went right, Rylands went left, so evens out there. So because well, they essentially underkicked the ball. Yeah. Because they didn't know, right? So yeah, that that would make sense. Yep. So I don't know. We we didn't get to talk to Chad. It'd be interesting to get his thoughts on it. He was frustrated after the game, as we mentioned, but uh, he probably won't use it as an excuse, but definitely there was an effect there. So that was that was yesterday's fun. Some some trigger words coming back to you know ten years later. Uh, so we'll wait and see if anything happens with the league going forward, or, or if we hear anything else on, on that whole Deflate Gate Part Two with the Patriots moving forward. But uh, the other bit of news that, that came out yesterday from Sophie Weller over at A to Z sports was she spoke to, <clears throat> excuse me, Trent Brown in the locker room about Malik Cunningham. Cause you know, there was a lot of support for Malik Cunningham when the Ravens signed him on social media, but Trent Brown's was one that really stood out because he added, you know, go where your talent is. What, what was it respected or where your talent will flourish something yeah. along those lines, which was, you know, noteworthy, which, and he spoke very openly to Sophie about that yesterday and made it sound like everyone on the team, he said everyone on the team wanted Malik Cunningham to get a shot, but they couldn't even give him a red jersey. He said that Malik Cunningham drive in the preseason was the most exciting drive of the season with Malik at quarterback. So, you know, I mean, Trent Brown sounds like a guy who has, you know, a foot and a half out the door at this point. He's obviously an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And, you know, he had the comments a few weeks ago where he's like, I'm the best player on offense. Maybe not Ron, but just, you know, he's he's saying a lot of things that you don't always hear around these parts. And it sounds like he's kind of ready to get out of here with a few weeks left in the season. Yeah. I mean, how many times this year with Trent have we heard like, you know, as he says something where it's like, wow, I can't believe he said that. He's not wrong, but I can't believe he said it, right? Yeah. It, it feels like it's become like a weekly occurrence at this point. On one hand, I can't imagine they're bringing him back after all this. On the other hand, I think he understands his leverage. This is a team that's going to be very desperate at the tackle position. This is not a good year to need a tackle, all of that. In terms of him shooting his way out of town, I don't know that he... I, I'm not totally running off him, him coming back. I would say it's less like... Whoa, what just happened? I would say it's 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 less likely uh, to me that more probable he, uh, than not more probable than not right <laughs> that he's gone while we're on this deflate gate kick and I apparently my light decided to blind me um, but I, I, they're gonna need tackles they're gonna be desperate at tackle you know what happened last time they were desperate at tackle they brought back Trent Brown so I'm not ruling it out the other thing is pissed or not I hope they're listening to him. Because yeah. he's, and I'm not saying Willie Cunningham should have taken over as the starter in like September, but we we talked about this at the time. It made all the sense in the world for him to be involved as a package player or for them to work with him more as a quarterback, and they just never did. So I I just, I, I hope they're, because he's made a lot of good points. 
And we, we've talked about how maybe Bill's gotten out of touch with the locker room and out of touch with the modern game. Trent's given him some good hints. Hope he's listening. Yep. And, you know, he mentioned he could work his way back. He's, I believe he's the top free agent tackle, probably hitting free agent market. It's um, not like a great He's up there. It's list. like him, Jonah Williams, Ty, Tyron Smith's obviously the best, but he's old. Yeah. So, so he's going to be. I said Jonah Smith, Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams, the, the Bengals guy and. Yeah, and Tyron Smith. So he's going to be one of the top free agent options. So he, he might have a market. So I don't know. Like You're going to need tackles. We've talked about that all, all year. Even if you draft a guy in the second round, second or third round, is that guy going to be ready to step in immediately on day one and potentially protect the blind side for your Drake May or Caleb Williams or your rookie quarterback? So that that's an important spot in – you know, when he's locked in and, and when he's out there, he's still a good tackle. So he could be a, a good bridge if he wants to come back. But but with everything going around, it, it just seems iffy right now. Right. Like, you're not, you don't want to rule it out, but it doesn't seem like he's ready to come back. So, right. Interesting to hear his comments. Again, not Ron, but just interesting how, how vocal he's been a few times these past few weeks. So, uh, those were the two big stories of the day yesterday, and now we can turn the page to the football game on Saturday. But before we do that, we can quickly hear from our friends over at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action NFL. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including you got spreads, you got your player props, you got over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so we'll kick it off with some Patriots offense. And Alex, I guess the big question is, can Bailey Zappi play a full game? He said, you know, someone asked this week what his kind of personal goal is now that they're not playing for the playoffs. And, and he said he wants to put together a full game, four full quarters. We've all seen the first half, second half splits. Not great in the second half to say that the light is so can Bailey Zappi put up four good quarters here in Denver on Christmas Eve? Well, let me give you some numbers here. Uh, minimum 50 pass attempts in the NFL this season, first half passer rating. Tua leads the league, 117.6. The second best first half passer rating for any quarterback in the league, Bailey Zappi, 115.5. Then Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott. So you have three MVP candidates with Bailey Zappi headed to a woman. And then Aiden O'Connell was fifth, actually. I'm guessing that's mostly based on the Chargers game. So your top five first-half pass ratings in the NFL, minimum 50 attempts. 
Tua, Zappy, Purdy, Dak, and Aiden O'Connell. Worst second half passer rating in the NFL. Dead last, PJ Walker, 40.9. In second place, again, Bailey Zappy, 43.3. Tyson Bajit, Ryan Tannehill. And actually, Aiden O'Connell's got a little Bailey Zappy in him because he's also bottom five. He's fifth best in the first half, fifth worst in the second half. But Bailey Zappy, the and, and this goes back to last year in the Bears game. Bears game, this yeah. Is kind of who he's been. And I think a big part of it is I I think he's more athletic than he looks on tape. And I think teams come in and they underestimate his ability as an athlete. And you see teams, I don't know why that keeps happening. You see teams over pursue and, uh, you know, just get too far upfield and all that when they blitz him and things like that. And he's able in the first half to kind of maneuver around the pocket, make some of those rushers pay and deliver passes. I think once guys see it straight up, then they're like, all right, I got to be a little more patient with him. They are. They bring some more complex blitzes. And he said last week he had trouble picking up, identifying pre-snap some mm-hmm. of those blitz in the second half. And then they kind of tee off on him because he's kind of got that one trick and that's it. So yeah, I, I, I think there's something to the first half, second half splits. And and some of it's beyond his control. I think yep. the offensive line is part of where like, you know, teams will kind of crank up the intensity more in the second half and they've struggled with that. I think they, the play calling has been tailored more to Zappi's skill set in the first half than the second half. But I also think he's gotten a little impatient in the second half of games. And he's maybe trying to do more to, to make the big play. And it's it, it, it's a real question. It's a real question about his ability to play a full 60 minutes. As for this week, it's a good Broncos defense. And they like to blitz. They like to blitz a lot. He's going to it's, it's gonna be something that he's going to have to deal with that he didn't deal with well last week. Yep. And, and the blitz is the big thing to me because didn't handle it well. And the offensive line certainly didn't handle it well. And now they're down Cole Strange. Connor McDermott's been in concussion protocol all week. We'll see with Trent Brown. He's been back on the practice field. So the offensive line is not going to be in tip-top shape to handle, you know, an aggressive Denver defense. And then his big thing was like the mental side, the processing. He mentioned it after the game. He missed a few mic points and resetting these corner blitzes. And Denver's going to do that. Denver's going to come after you, especially with the way Bailey Zappi's been playing in the second half. Like they're going to make him try to beat them mentally and then beat them physically on, on the field. And he hasn't been able to do that for a full 60 minutes. So uh, we'll, we'll see how he handles that. And, you know, similar to KC, as we talked about Denver, their run defense isn't great. Like they give up over five yards of carry, but KC came out and said, whatever, we're just going to stack the block box and third play of the game. They're sending run blitzes at, at them and, held new england to three yards of carry so you'd expect some kind of a similar thing from denver here stack the box we're gonna blitz you and then make bailey zappy beat you somehow if he can uh after that yeah and they they'll blitz from this like you talk about stacking the box and they'll do that because they're on they'll blitz from the second level too like yeah. they're not going to be simple blitzes for him to pick up. Now you you talking about them stacking the box. I think the best thing the Patriots can do in this game is get the run game going against the worst run defense in the NFL. Stacked box or not, the Patriots have to find a way to, to run the ball in this game. They should be able to. Then it comes down to you mentioned the Tony Omafi, some of those injuries up front. I think those those play in as well, both in terms of the run game and then in the pass game 
been a lack of continuity all year, and it's not going to get any better this week. Yep. I don't know if I want to keep holding out hope for some play action success because we just haven't caught in any of it. I think well, Bailey and, and Mac combined are like the worst play action passers in the league. And he was so good at it last year. And I get they can't protect it all the time, but the play action Bill O'Brien talked about it earlier this week says, you know, that's an area we need to improve. And Bailey's really good in that area. So there was really good in that area last year and it just hasn't clicked this year. So if, if you want to run the ball and try to, you know, lighten that box and not make them so aggressive play action is a way to do that. And they just haven't found that success there. I, the Broncos are a tougher team to play action against. Be, you, you really want to play action against man teams, a team that blitzes as much as Denver. You're not impacting those guys as much because they're coming downhill one way or the other. Right. So I'm, I'm with you. Like I, the play action is, is gone. Maybe it's because they're doing less under center. I just, I don't believe in shotgun play action. I, yeah, I'm not saying it's not effective, but it is so much less effective than under center play action. I think that's part of it, but this also isn't, is a tough week to, to kind of count on that to bounce back. I think when you get to next week and you get to the bills, it's a little more so. Mm -hmm. And we just got today's injury report. Hunter Henry who we saw him out there for stretching, but he didn't move at all. He was uh, uh, did not participate with that knee injury, that big hit he took late in the, that Chiefs game, kind of a hospital ball there from Bailey Zappi. So he did not participate. Gotcha. It was a hospital ball. I think he said, <laughs> Zappi say he apologized to him oh, like a few I think times. So, yeah. Left him out to dry there, unfortunately. But Zappi's got to be careful with that. He, he's started uh, getting a little too much with the hospital balls. Yeah, so... Uh, no Hunter Henry this week so far. Connor McDermott still in that concussion protocol. Ramondre Stevenson still out as expected with an ankle injury. That's on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Trent Brown still limited. Juju still limited. So, I mean, wide receiver-wise, anyone but Patrick Sertan kind of pick on them, and he usually just takes that X receiver out on the boundary. So Pop Douglas, Juju Smith-Schuster, you expect some of those kind of slot guys to maybe have a – a, a bigger role this week, you know, while as you're probably trying to avoid Patrick Sertan out there. Yeah, there hasn't been a ton of depth, or, or there's been depth issues, I should say, for the Broncos at, at corner. So if you can go figure Sertan's on Parker, probably. It is going to be a big game for those secondary receivers, and that's, yeah, who knows if Taekwon's going to play. It's, it, it's Juju and Douglas. I think those are the two guys, especially with Hunter Henry out, that you really have to count on in this game to move the football when you throw it. And Juju kind of came on a little bit, and then obviously he missed last week. Pop Douglas is still coming back from the concussion. I think looked they they kind of reeled him in a little bit last week. I think he should have a bigger role this week. But those are the two guys who're looking to throw the football to. Speaking of Pop, we were talking about this Taylor Mike. We were talking about this at practice today. There was the article or report that, or Pop kind of said it that the Patriots staff came to him because this was his second concussion and said do you want to kind of shut it down for the year and pop said you know he wants to play and obviously he's back do you have any take on that i thought it was kind of weird that they put it into the hands of the player to start right like thought if the training staff thinks it's best to sit him down at this point like sit him down because he's obviously going to want to play but did you have any thoughts or comments on that yeah, it was weird. I don't know. I, I, I wonder if maybe something got lost in translation there. 
but I, I, I want him playing, and I know everybody. Oh, the tank, the tank, the tank. <laughs> it's good for him to get this experience. I think that's valuable. So I'm glad he's kind of sticking with it. But I, it would be weird for the training staff to be like, yeah, this guy's had two concussions. He probably shouldn't be playing. And then them to kind of go to him and be like, well, do you want to play through it or not? I, yeah, that would be a weird way to go about it. Yep. Yeah. So. I think that's it offensively, unless you had any other notes there. Just hopefully Zappy can put it together for four quarters. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, All right, so we can jump over to the other side of the ball, but uh, we can quickly hear from our friends at SeatGeek before we do that. I've been looking for the best deal on Celtics tickets, and with over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports festivals, and more. With the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons in full swing, you don't want to miss out. SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Plus, artists like Travis Scott are on tour. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of 1 to 10, so look for the green dots. Green means good and red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. So as you know, I always come through for you guys. You can use my code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you check the link in the description to download the app. All right, so over to the defense. I want to get your thoughts on Russell Wilson's kind of resurgence with Sean Payton, or I don't know if resurgence is the right word. Bounce, little bounce back with Sean Payton this year. But first, I think this is kind of a bad matchup, Patriots defense-wise, especially in the secondary. J.C. Jackson was, you know, put on the the reserve list. I, I forget the exact wording. The reserve list earlier this week. He was obviously dealing with. Some mental health issues caused him to miss last Sunday's game. Jonathan Jones is still limited with that knee injury. And, you know, now you got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, who we've obviously talked a lot about going up against Alex Austin and Sean Wade. So kind of a mismatch there from New England's perspective. Yeah, it it really is. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle this because they – here we are again. I talked a lot about it last year, and this year they did a better job to prepare for it, but the injuries are just so much. They have no size at corner. You're talking about dealing with 6'4", Cortland Sutton, and jump ball receiver on the outside. Your top two corners in Jonathan Jones and Miles Bryant are 5'10 and 5'9". If you want to go to Alex Austin, he's 6'1", but he's playing in his sixth NFL game. You're asking him to guard a guy that's probably going to be a pro bowler this year. Cortland Sutton's had a really good season. It's It's really tough to see how they match up with him. I think the best bet is probably put Jonathan Jones on Jerry Judy. You just hope that he's enough to take Judy away. And then it's Sutton, uh, Alex Austin on Sutton with help. And Miles Bryant's kind of a rover, but Cortland Sutton is an absolute matchup nightmare in this game for the Patriots. Yep. You can picture like T Higgins going up over Marcus Jones last year, that type of, right. It's that same kind of thing. That height, that height mismatch. And, and to make matters worse, Jabril Peppers, hasn't practiced all week with, with a hamstring injury. So they're going to be, looks like they're going to be even short on that back end. And I know Kyle Duggar 
where are you kind of at with Kyle Duggar right now? Because he didn't play great last week against Kansas City. He was obviously responsible for that big screen pass, a few third down conversions. But if Peppers is out, do you think that will freeze him up a little bit more to play that role, that strong safety in the box role that he was so good in, in last year? So do you think that could be kind of a bounce back game for Duggar? Or do you think his head's just kind of in free agency at this point? Or where are you kind of at with, with Duggar right now? Yeah, it's a good point on Duggar that he'll get to be back in the box and and it's a good spot for him. I just he he's looked kind of out of sorts the last few weeks. He looks yeah. like he's pushing, he looks like he's trying too hard to make the big play and he's letting assignments go and and things like that. Hasn't been a great showing from him and you wonder where where they're at looking at him with free agency coming up, but yeah, it's if he's going to have a bounce back game, this is it. But you also wonder like you said if he's just kind of too focused on free agency right now. Yep. So I, th- I think it was Mike Reese in his Sunday notes last week. He, he mentioned the team approached Duggar about some contract talks and they weren't very close and he seemed kind of set on, on free agency at this point. So that's obviously, he's obviously one of the big three names with Unwinu and Uche there. So hasn't been obviously his best year, kind of quiet from a statistical standpoint, taking on a little bit of a different role. So and coming off one of his bad worst games in, in against Kansas City there. So that that'd be interesting to see how he bounces back, especially if it's gets more of that role, you know, that Peppers role if Peppers is out. So something something just to watch there. But uh where are you at with Russ? What did you th- what are you then thinking of Russ this year back with Sean Payton? Looks still looks like he can move around in the pocket. I think he lost some weight this offseason, so he can still kinda hurt you there, extend plays, but are, are you letting Russ cook still, or where are you at with Russ? Look, he, he's been good this year. He's been good, and I think Sean Payton's done a great job with him. Now, he's not prime Russell Wilson anymore, but you wouldn't expect him to be, but his completion percentage is up. His interceptions are down. I think that they've tailored this thing more to him. Uh, he's also a guy, just in terms of this week, that has historically had a ton of success against Bill Belichick defenses. Yeah. 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's three and one. Obviously, that one is a big one. That's Super Bowl 49. But he's a guy that's been able to crack the code in the past, and they're going to have to really come up with something for him. I, you know, playing on on Christmas Eve at home, I think he's a guy that gets up for those kind of moments too. He's a guy that will kind of get into that playing for a playoff spot. I would not be surprised if Russ comes out and has a big game. Never thrown for less than two touchdowns in a game against the Patriots. Multi touchdown games every time. Uh, I would not be surprised if he puts up big numbers this week. <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just think between that and the receivers, it's just a really bad matchup for the Patriots right now. It, it's just a tough spot. And I know they you know, did a good job of keeping Mahomes kind of in the pocket last week, but they've had an issue when, with these guys like extending plays. Like Even though Mahomes didn't beat him with his legs so much, he was able to extend a few plays, find receivers downfield. I'm thinking like Sam Howell even earlier this year, running all around, finding guys downfield. Because Russ will do that, he'll uncork it deep still. He's still got a pretty deep ball. And then, you know, you talk about that Cortland Sutton size mismatch, Jerry Judy against a banged-up John Jones. Like, it's just – it seems like they're really – the Broncos are catching New England at a really good time right now defensively. Absolutely. I mean, who's not catching the Patriots at a good time this year? But, no, it's it's a really tough matchup. It is across the board. It is a re- and if they're not going to have Anthony Jennings, who didn't practice because he was yep. sick, the Broncos they they love you talk about play action. They love to get the ball going, running, and then boot. You know that we saw how many times we see that in Seattle, right? 
the Russell Wilson bootleg get going off of that. And then he starts hitting guys on crossers uh, without Anthony Jennings. It's going to be really easy to run the ball to the outside, set up some of those play action looks. It's, it, it is like you said, just a tough matchup. There's no other way to put it. Yep. So Jennings was an illness. We'll, we'll kind of see there. Barmore Bentley still limited. They should, you know, they've been limited the past few weeks. They should be good to go, but yeah, ju- just a bad matchup. That's really all there is to say at, at that yeah. point. So, uh, any like specific defensive players you're looking for there? Any anything else on that side? Really, just kind of the the corners and, yeah. and uh, let's say Alex Austin holds his own against. Uh, I almost said Demarius Thomas. Um, <laughs> let's uh, same idea, right? Let's say Alex Austin holds his own against Cortland Sutton, big outside Broncos receiver. That would be interesting because this team's going to need a third boundary corner in the offseason. JC Jackson's yep. not coming back. I, I would be shocked. So you have Christian Gonzalez on at one side, maybe Jonathan Jones at the other, but I, I still think he's a slot corner, like ultimately, like in a perfect defense. So you need you need another boundary corner. You need a guy with size. If Alex Austin shows you something, I'm not saying like, oh, Alex Austin had one good game, you know, lock him in, but becomes a guy to, to follow in something like that. So it, just how that matchup goes, I think will be really interesting. Yeah. Taylor and I were talking about that the other day. Like you have Gonzalez, obviously, right. Jonathan Jones, Marcus Jones will be back who I know they've put him on the boundary, but like, you don't want that size out there all the time. So if one of Sean Wade or Alex Austin could end the year on a strong note here and give you something positive to look at going into next year, that would just be an encouraging sign. And maybe, you know, one less thing you, you could take off your to-do list this off season or one less thing you don't have to prioritize as much this off season. Cause we know they have a lot of things to prioritize, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So if you get a strong finish from a Sean Wade, from an Alex Austin, that, that would be encouraging going into the off season. And this would be a good start against those Denver wide receivers. But uh, we can wrap it with a few more things on special teams. I know we talked about the footballs and chatter Island a bit earlier, but Bill made sure to point out Marvin Mims, first player he pointed out at his press conference. Yep. Uh, really good returner. Is I think he's only one of two guys who has a kick return touchdown on the year. So he does kicks and punts. You mentioned these guys with illnesses. Cody Davis is on an illness or had an illness, didn't practice today, so might be down one of your best coverage guys. Uh, that's certainly something to watch. Like Just please kick the ball out of the end zone and don't even let Marvin Mims return, but we'll see with, with, with this team and in the cold with maybe some deflated footballs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, coverage has to be, I, I, I think Brennan Schooler is a guy you really look at yeah. in this game. It's not that he, he, you know, he's been, he struggled all year, but la- the last two weeks it's really come to the forefront and you're looking for him to have a bounce back game. Now you're getting coaches asked about it, things like that. And then Jalen Rager, can Jalen Rager build on the success he had last week as a kick return? Although to your point, no thinner air. I don't know how many chances he's going to get to return in this game. I would imagine the Broncos are just going to kick all touchbacks, but if he does get a chance to return one, I'm interested to see what that looks like. Yep. Pretty good last year. Best return game of the season for them. But as much as I want a competitive game, I would also love a ton of punts because my fantasy football team, my punters team has Bryce Barringer and Riley Dixon. Oh, you're in a punters league. I am. And this is the first punters league. First week of the playoffs. So I have I have Bryce and the Broncos punter Riley Dixon. So if we could just have a punt off for as much as it would be painful to watch on Christmas Eve, I I would appreciate that in my fantasy team. Well it could still be that's still a competitive game. Both teams are punting all the time. Yeah. 
lots of punts inside the 20 and the 10 that would be my ideal christmas eve that's how you want that's how i want to spend that one <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah uh anything else you got or that's pat's broncos for the most that's pretty much it it's you know that's that's where we're at with this team yeah three and eleven just still yeah. trudging along here last few weeks left but so that's our recap Alex and I will be back next week to break down what happens on Christmas Eve in that game. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and follow Patriot CLNS on Twitter. So you do know when we go live might be Tuesday with the holidays, but we will let it's you probably know. Gonna be, it's it's going to be Tuesday. Yeah, probably going to be Tuesday. And then until then, you can also follow Alex on Twitter at real Alex Barth. Go read all his Patriots work over at 985thesportshub.com. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines. Go read my coverage over at patspulpit.com. Thank you all as always for tuning in. Have a wonderful holidays and we will see you guys next week.